0: Guy, if he brought, if my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> but- <laughs>
1: First Bears show, it is great to be back, we get to talk Bears, we, and this is our fun show, this is where later on the show when we don't talk Bears, we get to just rant about shit that pisses us off, good news, bad news, ridiculous news. We will be joined by Will DeWitt in just a couple moments as he's finishing off uh, their show over on the CHGO, and he will be joining us to give us a, kind of an update on everything that happened today at training camp, talk about some of the latest stories around there, but before then just want to introduce my guys, Aunt Noel, Tony, how are you guys doing?
0: I'm out of the shed, oh, baby, Tony? I'm out of the
1: shed. He,
0: he got away,
1: <laughs> people, he got away. He's he's not he's not in that shed anymore, so so yeah. How, how does it feel, Anthony, to be a free man?
0: It's it's, it's weird, I just feel like there's someone going to be behind me, in front of me, and there's no one around, so I'm in my mother's house for three days. I just had a mammy dinner of uh, beautiful steak and chips, so nice. I'm ready to talk some bears. It's, like, it's it. like anything, it's there's nothing better. I don't know what it's like for everyone out there. It's nothing better when you've been away for a while and you come home and there's like, you're, you're, there's dinner ready for you. Don't know who it is that made it, it doesn't matter. Dinner's did ready you, bring
2: a, did it. you bring a bag of washing back with you as well? And
0: let's not say anything <laughs> about that. No comments on that conversation. He definitely
1: did. He brought like 100,
0: 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Look, before Will gets on and we and we talk about all bear stuff. Uh, this is the show every single week up until the Nebraska and Northwestern game that we are giving out free tickets for that game because it is in Dublin. Um, again, it's one of those that we we wanted to give something a little bit back to those fans that might be for Nebraska or Northwestern traveling to Dublin, maybe didn't get tickets but want to have a good time, or even some of the Irish fans out there that unfortunately weren't able to, to secure a ticket at the at the time and i know in certain areas they're pretty pricey at the moment so yeah this is a chance to get kind of a free ticket uh, or free two tickets actually and because each winner gets a pair of tickets so last week it was the winner came from twitter so the guy that won was ed mcsweeney we spoke to him he'll be getting his tickets fairly soon as uh, we will um well
2: done ed well done ed congratulations very very well done ed
1: And because we put out this post on both Twitter and on Instagram, I wanted to do something a little bit different this week, too. Obviously, there was like 50 comments on Twitter. There was like 30 or 40 on Instagram. So today, basically earlier on, I did one of those randomizer wheel things and had about 60 or 70 people on it and then decided to kind of pull them out of a hat in terms of that. And we came up with one winner from Instagram and one winner from Twitter. So, uh, if I can find this on my phone, uh, the winner for, and the second one from Instagram is going to be funny and I swear it's not rigged because of Tony's surname, but the person (laughs) has Tony's surname. Uh, but the winner from Twitter is a guy called Bridger Callagher. So he is the winner for the, a, a pair of tickets for the Nebraska and Northwestern game in Dublin. So he's our Twitter winner. And on Instagram, uh, her name is, I believe, it's Karen Daly. Now she goes by. Hey, it's Nick. my cousin. Hey, <laughs> is hey. it? Is it?
3: <laughs>
1: very, very good. But look, we still have. I think we still have another two pairs of tickets uh, to give away. I believe, or is it one? I have to do my math. It's probably one. One, I think. Um, one. Yeah, it's one more. So again, we're we're going to be scouring both sides. We're going to be. I think the next time what I'm going to do is I'm going to do that wheel spin and I'm going to. Every time one comes out, they get—they're not in it, and it's the last person standing. And I might do it live in the show. That might be a fun one to do for us next week. But those are the two winners for for this week. There will be one more next week as well for those people that may want to go to that game. So just wanted to get out of that or get that out of the way before we get into our Bears football talk. And with that, I would like to introduce Will. He's been on the show before. You know him. You love him. He's on the CHGO podcast. Will, how are you doing, my friend?
3: Hey, I'm doing great.
4: Hey, I'm here. Bears football talk. Bears camp. I'm glad to be back, guys. Thanks again for, uh, you know, allowing me to come back uh, after I was here a couple of months ago to talk more Bears. And I think it's a good practice to kind of hop on afterwards and kind of look at it from like an optimistic standpoint. Oh, uh, we love
0: optimism. We love optimism.
4: Yes. (laughs) I know, like, it, it's the one thing that we,
1: we can't stand all this. Like, we get all the overanalyzation of everything that's going on with Bears camp, and I think what we've always said is, once the preseason games, people are going to stop caring about what happens in the practices, and they'll be like, oh, it's the preseason games. Suddenly, then once the regular season games, people are like, wait, there was football the last two and a half months. <laughs> like, that's the way it goes. But look, once they get you on, you were, at, you were at camp today. You've been at pretty much there... For the entirety of it so before we kind of dig into just today what's been your overarching kind of takeaways from bears camp over the last kind of two weeks
4: sure so i I think like the biggest one and just like a general observation about how this team is being ran and i'm sure you've seen it come through but like they're being worked really hard Uh, you see it every single practice the intensity level Uh, it's the highest it's ever been that I've been to a bears camp. And I've been going since I was like a a fifth grader. Uh, So it's been like 20 years of going to these camps. And uh, this is like the most intense one I've seen so far, whether it's uh, the intensity during a drill, the, you know, the running from drill to drill and just pretty much the drills being stacked on top of one another. There aren't like water breaks or there's no standing around joking time. Like I remember, uh like the John Fox era there was like a 10 minute water break in the middle of practice like you don't see that anymore uh, right now so just this team being worked hard is the top one and then i guess in terms of like just general takeaways uh, I think we're all just upset by the vast amount of injuries that are taking place right now. I think over 20 different bears did not practice here today. I think Courtney uh, Cronin said it was 21 bears who actually uh, was unable to suit up today, whether it's all injuries. I think there may have been like a vet day or two in here as well. Like David Montgomery didn't practice today, uh, but we didn't get to talk to coach Eberflute, so We don't know exactly what that was, but if I had to guess, uh, he looked like he was in good spirits and healthy. Uh, so that shouldn't have been a problem. Uh, and then on top of that too, just something we expected, which was that the defense was going to be ahead of the offense, you know, out of the jump, out of the gate. And I think we've seen that. But days like today where the offense starts to change that narrative a little bit gets me very excited about where this thing could go. And that's even with, you know, receivers upon receiver going down with injury right now and Justin having to throw to primarily reserves outside of Mooney and uh, Equino St. Brown.
2: By by all accounts, from, from what I've kind of seen on Twitter today, though, offensively we had a kind of all right day and considering the sort of guys that Justin Fields was thrown to today, you know, there's there's a couple of guys in there that apparently surprised some people as well.
4: Yeah, no, absolutely. Isaiah Coulter, uh, someone that really stood out today, making multiple plays down the field, impressive catches. Uh, he had the catch of the day along the sideline in between two different defenders. I don't know. I think a video got put up by someone about this one as well. Uh, obviously as yeah. media I'm not allowed to do video like I used to do back in the day uh, at Bears Camp. I, I, I miss it. Uh, not going to lie, uh, but he had the catch of the day. Uh, Kevin Shaw, as well as making a lot of good plays too. Uh, and again, with no Bayless Jones Jr., no Byron Pringle, uh, it's good to see some of these guys step up. And yesterday at Soldier Field for Fan Fest or Family Fest, it was uh, really rough sledding for the receivers. Not a lot of separation, nowhere for Justin Fields to go. But today they kind of dialed it in a little bit. Uh, and the downfield passing attack was on full display to multiple guys uh, multiple locations. And Justin, uh, you have to give him a lot of credit for making these throws in tight windows uh, as well, placing the ball exactly where it needs to be. Uh, And a lot of these throws, too, he was anticipating uh, the landmark where his receiver is going to be before he even broke that route. So being able to kind of have that chemistry, if you will, with guys that He's only been practicing with more primarily over the last week after some of these injuries kind of stacked up. Just gets me excited about when Bayless Jones Jr. comes back, when Byron Pringle comes back. If he can kind of build you know, similar, if not better, chemistry with these what should be more talented receivers uh, could unlock some of this Bears offense for sure.
3: Sorry, Will, just talking about chemistry there and actually getting to see the guys, you know, training. Do you feel in general, even with players missing, that the players are responding well to the new scheme, to the new setup. And, and you kind of see the arrow, even if it's slowly kind of going up all the time and their familiarity is kind of getting that little bit better every day.
4: Yeah. I want to say the arrow is always up, right? Like that's just not, uh, I guess, sustainable in life. Like you're always going to have ups and downs, but as long as like the overall trajectory is up, I think that's a positive sign for the bears. And I would say that should be true for sure. Like compared to what I saw this offense look like week one of training camp to now, like, are, they're installing more, right? So you're getting to see a little bit more of a complex system. Uh, I can tell that Justin felt very comfortable here today uh, as well. And guys like uh, Daz Newsome even showed out was a few plays here today. And we did not get to see Daz last year at camp, right? He had that collarbone issue. They really kind of took it slow with him. And then he sat in the practice squad all year, only played a handful of snaps on offense for the season. And I know a lot of people kind of soured out on Daz. And, and I'm with the additions at the position, it did seem like, hey, this guy's going to be, uh, you know, kind of against odds to make this team. But he, with this extended opportunity, I think has made some plays, made himself noticed by fans, by coaches. And that's a good thing. And I think that's a sign, too, of this team being full of hungry players. And that's what you want. And seeing them kind of take that intensity and then kind of like, I guess, embrace it uh, is just very exciting. Well, I love you. Oh, <laughs> you know, Me, too.
0: I'm I'm Mr. Daz Newsom Supporters Club member, number one. So whatever you club. just said there, uh, I set up the club, created the club, rang his mother the whole shebang. Um what I'm what I'm gonna go into a little bit on that because a bit emotional, you're talking about Daz and getting him into the 53, because I didn't think that was gonna happen. But the thing I was gonna say is that we seem to have created a different idea around running the football. And there seems to be a lot of movement around our offensive line around creating holes and creating space. Is that something you've seen? More so in the last couple of days, where I know I know Montgomery wasn't training, but with Herbert and with with Ebner and with the use of our fullback now, have you seen the offensive line getting better at creating those holes, or is it still something that the the running backs are kind of doing almost of their their own bat of their own skill?
4: Yeah, no, it's it's always a give or take, right? Uh, but I'll go to yesterday because today I think with uh, only one more practice after today before that first preseason game, they were kind of shuffling in a lot of reserves. Uh, on the offensive line. And I think it's just to get them more reps so they understand the game plan heading in so they get these plays down before the game starts. So a lot of the veterans were taking some plays off here today Riley Reeve, Mike Schofield, like those guys were kind of more on the sidelines just watching today, but they were listed as starters. They started yesterday at Family Fest at Soldier Field. And I saw a lot of holes open up yesterday uh, against this starting defense. And I know we don't have Lucas Patrick right now at center, like, cause he's out with that, you know, that thumb hand injury. And I know Sam Mustafer. I think there's a lot of strong opinions on what Sam Mustapher can and cannot do. But Cody Whitehair has looked as good as ever uh, on the left side. Mike Schofield, since he's been injected with the starting offensive line, has really looked the part. He paved the way for multiple runs yesterday, uh, both on the outside. Like, he's leading the way. He's embracing that lead-blocking kind of role. And really springing, I saw David Montgomery for you know a good run. And even in the screen game, this being athletic enough to get out to the boundary and yep. – you know, be one of those lead blockers It's incredible to watch these big men move so fast, uh, but Schofield stood out a couple of times in that regard. But yes, I, I do see this offensive line opening up holes. Of course, it's not a hundred percent live yet. I you have to take it with a grain of salt, uh, but yes, I do believe this interior of the offensive line. Uh, once Lucas Patrick comes back can be one to kind of move that, you know, reestablish that line scrimmage, move it, get some push and allow these running backs to kind of work their magic and uh, Khalil Herbert, too, today, because uh, I want to kind of highlight both, had a few runs that didn't look like they were going to go anywhere. But what he does so well, right, is that patience that he runs with, as well as that vision to kind of see that cutback lane or to see where those small little windows are going to open up. And even though he's kind of not, you know, full speed ahead, he's still moving forward. He's still gaining yards. And then finally that hole opens up. Bam, he turns on the Jets. And he goes from like a two yard gain to a 12 yard gain in a blink of an eye. And that's just through his patience and allowing that play to open up because if he went full speed, he just would have ran into like a wall of, you know, defenders and been taken down early. So having the patience and the vision uh, with the offensive line, I think it's going to be something that's going to allow Herbert, if he gets more touches than he did last year, which is at least my hope, and I think a lot of Bears fans hope that too, uh, can definitely be a good, a good sign for things to come.
3: And sorry, Will, just on the offensive line, because obviously it's when you talk about the Bears the last couple of years, the offensive line is one of those big topics that's always in there. With the additions they've made now, do you think the training or the, the coaches are kind of happy now with maybe the five that they have in mind now for that line? Do you think they're kind of there now in the five they're going to have? Obviously, Braxton Jones looks like he will be that left tackle. Do you think now it's improved and they're kind of happy with where they're at, I'd say, with the offensive line and how it's improving?
4: Yeah, I don't want to speak for the coaches, of course, but just their actions to me speak like they're, they're pretty content. Uh, the fact that these two veterans on the right side that they just brought in camp, you know, Reef and Schofield. Uh, they've worked their way up from third string up to starter. They had a really good practice yesterday and they're kind of giving them some of that, you know, that veteran grace, if you will, like giving them some time here today because, you know, they have been around this league for a long time. They're older, they're established. They don't need each and every rep. You can't evaluate some of these other guys on your roster. Uh, but yeah, I think the five with Lucas Patrick coming back, I don't think they're going to be you know, satisfied with, Uh, Sam Mustafa being your starting center. He has seemed to separate himself from rookie Doug Kramer uh, because early on after that injury, they were kind of uh, rotating in and out between the two. But I think they believe Sam Mustafa is the best backup center right now on this team. And of course, he's playing with the ones until Lucas Patrick comes back. But Braxton Jones on that left tackle position, uh, I think that's solidified. I don't think he's going anywhere. He's got, you pretty much got thrust in there at OTAs and nobody's been able to knock him off that peg yet. And I don't envision them doing so. They've been putting, Probably his best competition in Riley Reef playing right tackle right now and primarily focusing on right tackle. So there's really no one beneath him. I don't think Borum's gonna challenge him for that spot. Tevin Jenkins, I think, is going back to pretty much right tackle as well. Uh so Braxton Jones, uh, what a great story that he is. And I'm excited to see what he looks like in game action uh, on Saturday afternoon. Uh but yeah, overall I think they're pretty satisfied with it. Uh Tevin Jenkins now. Back from whatever it was, the you know, the tightness the injury uh, that he was dealing with over the last weeks. He's went from third string now, he's playing at second string. I just don't think he has enough. I haven't seen enough from him to say that he's gonna, you know, leapfrog Riley Reef and become that starting right tackle. I just haven't seen it yet.
2: Yeah, well, we had uh, Peggy Kaczynski on the show yesterday, and we were talking about. Tevin Jenkins and and all this the whole thing that's going on there. She's almost convinced that there's no way back for Tevin Jenkins with a side. I was wondering in sort of your observations of what you're seeing on the field, you know, as much as you and as much as you can say, um, what you're kind of seeing from how he is, not necessarily just in snaps, just in general. What you what are your kind of observations of, of his sort of activities?
4: Yeah, I've watched him and he seems engaged in practice. I don't think he's, you know, not paying attention and I don't believe he's not giving it his best out there. But just the reps in general have been a little, you know, hit or miss, uh, if you will, which fine. I get it. He hasn't played a lot of football in the last year plus because of his back issue. There's going to be rust and really just still adjusting to the NFL. Right. Because he hasn't been able to do too much since he's been drafted. Uh, But even like today, there's a rep against rookie Dominic Robinson, uh, who I'm a big fan of. I love his athleticism crashing off the edge. And I think he can be a very good pass rusher for the Bears this year. But there's a one on one rep where if you blinked, you miss it. But Robinson's in the backfield and Tevin's is kind of like looking like, whoa, like, how did he get around me so quick? And like, almost like stuck in frozen place. Uh, if you yeah. will, and then the next rep though, Tevin did bounce back. Had a really good rep against Travis Gibson. Uh, so again, you see a failure, but then you see success and a comeback. So at least he's not, you know, too down the dumps. He's not, you know, phoning it or honing it in each and every one of these reps. And it's not all negative. It's just not dominant. And when I saw the Bears draft Tevin Jenkins and what I knew out of him coming out of college, like this was a dominant, mean, angry, high motor offensive lineman. And I have not seen that kind of attitude from him. I have not seen that approach uh, at all. And I I think that's what concerns me the most. I don't see that same kind of intensity uh, from Tevin Jenkins that I thought we would have here in Chicago after they drafted him.
1: Yeah, I think what Peggy kind of reiterated yesterday was she doesn't think that maybe it's this coaching staff is the right fit for Tevin. It's not the best way for him to get motivated. We know for different players they get motivated in different ways, right? Some guys need the shoulder around them, other guys need to be basically told you suck <laughs> and it's a way to kind of get back at them. Um so it's an interesting situation. But like we talk about Tevin Jenkins on one side but then you mentioned it. You have a guy in Braxton Jones who's a fifth round pick. I don't think many people expected him to be starting at left tackle. We always thought that he might compete there because the one thing I remember, we did like a, one of those long draft shows on that last day. And when the Bears were made that selection, and I was kind of looking everything about him, like he's a pure left tackle. You're not going to see him on the right side. He's going to be having to kind of fight for that left tackle spot. So, with everything that you see in trail Camp, whether it be mini camp, coming into training camp, are you surprised about how secure he looks at left tackle to the point of? The the Bears brought in Riley Reiff, and instead of him battling with Braxton Jones, they move him to the right side, and Braxton Jones stays at the left side.
4: I think that was the most surprising. Like when Reef was signed, and you see him out there, and he was taking those reps uh, with the second team at left tackle. Like, all right, here we go, we got a competition at our hands. But quickly, they kind of went away. And like uh, with that, like, I, you have to. I, I always try to trust the coaching staff a little bit, which considering our some previous regimes. I don't know why I'm trying to do that yet again, but like, like Nagy and his staff, like they cannot evaluate talent for squat, right? Like they could not, but I'm trying to trust this staff. Like if there's something they are seeing out of him that saying, you know what? We don't even need to worry about trying to replace them if you will, or uh, have someone fight for that spot. Let's have him be comfortable, learn it. And then we should solidify the right side of the line and improve over there. I think that says a lot uh, about what they expect. Out of Braxton Jones, and just the more I get to like be around him, uh, he's just so self-aware. Like you, people ask him like a simple question about like you know what's the biggest thing you worked on between minicamp and here, and he's going into specifics about his hands are too tight, he needs to like loosen up those hands a little bit, and giving us those details. I think it was, it's really refreshing. You don't hear offensive linemen kind of get into those uh, you know those ticky tacky details uh, mm-hmm. all the time, uh, but he's super aware and he's humble. He's driven. And I think the fact that he has that mental, like a very professional mentality, how he approaches his craft. And he takes it seriously, despite the fact that, you know, he's a fifth round rookie, but he's acting like, you know, he was, uh, he's he been here for years. Uh, I think that's a tremendous approach, a tremendous mindset, and that should allow him to continue to grow. Uh, he's been asking questions, of these veterans, making sure like, hey, like, even if he didn't come to me, I'm going to go to you. It's like, what did you see? How can I improve this rep? And I love hearing that from guys and just being that self-starter that Braxton Jones is, even though it's slightly surprising, I think it's a welcome surprise. Like how could we not get excited about a young promising left tackle prospect that just continues to just wow the coaches and earn more respect from them, from his teammates and, you know, being in a better position than we ever thought, like that should really excite bears fans instead of, you know, you see the other side of it, like, Oh no, you're starting a fifth round rookie at left tackle. Like, Sometimes you find steals. Sometimes guys play outside of their drafts a slot. And I think this could be one of those one of those cases. Yeah, we always
1: say that like once guys are drafted, it doesn't matter where they were drafted because they're all professionals now. Like if a UDFA comes in and he shows that okay, maybe he was in the wrong system in college and he comes in and he proves himself. Well then he gets the opportunity, right? Obviously it's easier when you're kind of a first or second round draft because Teams want to start you, while well, if you're later on, you got to prove to them that you deserve to start, and that's what makes this really interesting. And even not just like the videos that some of uh, people have been able to take at training camp and at family fest where you get to see him and kind of what he does on the field, but what you just mentioned during his press conference was where I was probably most impressed because it showed he was able to kind of be – Kind of self aware, but also that he's a student of the game, he knows exactly what he needs to do, what he needs to improve on. He, I mentioned this probably about two or three days ago. What I liked about the line right now is you have Braxton Jones, and pretty much everybody else is a veteran that has been there and mm-hmm. done that. So he has someone to rely upon. It's not like he's there with I know we, you have like Tevin Jenkins and Larry boren who only have like pretty much a year's experience. I feel a lot better knowing that he's on the line with a bunch of veterans so if he makes a mistake he has other guys to rely upon that again one to where you're not kind of kicking yourself if you're the reason why your quarterback gets sacked they can just come tell him to kind of keep going it's it happens to everybody and i think that's really really good for him because he's going to be a big piece here moving forward if he's successful at left tackle for this season that's one thing that the Bears will not have to worry about then for the next couple of years, because that's always been the problem child for, the, for this Bears team, trying to find protection for whatever quarterback. We say every year that pace before didn't protect his quarterbacks, didn't spend enough. Well, we just saw our GM go out and draft four players and sign Lucas Patrick. And even if Braxton Jones is the only one that becomes a starter out of those, if you get a starter... And you're also getting a Kyler Gordon, a Jaquan Brisker, a Mm -hmm. Bayless Jones who are part of this team. You have to give the GM a lot of credit that he knew exactly what he was doing. It was the one thing we mentioned, I think we spoke about the last time you were here. The one position I don't criticize Ryan Poles for is offensive line because he knows way more about that position than I ever will.
4: Yeah, exactly. He has firsthand experience with it, uh, both as a player and then even, you know, further into his, I think his professional career, right? Evaluating scouting, like he's all into it. And the fact that you could have found a potential steal here at a premium position in the league and you get him on a rookie deal, a very, you know, modest one at that, that really just helps your cap situation. And if you can continue to do that and find key guys at those positions, that can contribute right away exceed their draft stock like that's how you find value in this league and with a league that's strapped for cash like that's that goes a long way so you can pay some of your other players like you know roquan smith uh, who wants a huge contract apparently Uh, i'm glad we haven't had to talk about him yet in this show uh but yeah like uh, just you (laughs) wait no don't do it to me you probably
1: have to talk about this for like the last two days to be fair we did a whole show on roquan smith so like We'll offer like a very brief kind of opinion on it and then we'll leave it at that. <laughs> and that'll sure. that'll be that. So you don't have to go too much in detail. Anthony,
0: sorry for cutting you off there. No, well, just a question on Braxton Jones. What development next steps is you know? I know he's a rookie and we all know he gets to actually play football and everything's live. I appreciate that. But from what you guys have seen over the last few days, what what stands out as being the most impressive part? But also what stands out if you were to look at it and go, okay definitely needs to work on this or this. Is there anything that has been gallingly, okay, he needs to work on? And also, wow, really didn't expect it to come out of him from what I've seen in, in clips so far. Is there anything that would be standing on either side?
4: I want to think so. Uh, honestly, I think he's been sound. And that's a really good thing. Like, of course, there's going to be reps where he loses. And that's going to happen. You do a lot of one-on-ones. Like, you're not going to win uh, every single one. Uh, I know he got bullied by Robert Quinn a little bit yesterday in team drills. But, again, it's Robert Quinn. Like, if Robert's beating yeah. him with his speed off the edge, which, okay, we can say Braxton needs to be better uh, getting off his stance in order to get a hitch out and, you know, protect against some of those premier speed rushers in the NFL. All right but just still going up against Robert Quinn is like the best practice for that. Yeah. You know, the bears record holder for sex in a single season, like going up against him each and every day is just going to make him a better player. But no, he's been sound, uh, honestly, like there isn't one glaring like, Oh, that better be cleaned up or we're in trouble. Like I have not located anything of that nature. And I think that's just a positive sign.
1: Yeah, I always, I always see the offensive line, especially when it comes to game time. And this is what I hope happens throughout the season is that, we don't talk about Braxton Jones during the season because if we don't talk about Braxton Jones. He's doing his job properly because yeah. at the end of the day, when you have to mention guys on the offensive line, it's usually because they're making mistakes. So that's where I'm going to be looking at kind of going forward. Um, so with that, we'll stick with the offense first. So obviously there's been a lot of guys that have been out today. I know Cole Kamek kind of got a little bit of an injury during Family Fest. We had kind of – Ryan Griffin was out, O'Shaughnessy was out. We had most of the wide receivers, it seems. Um, so yeah. over the last couple of days, I guess, with some of these, let's say, depth wide receivers, because we kind of know who's going to be making the team at the top end, right? You know there's Mooney, Equinemius St. Brown. When Pring goes back, he'll, he'll be fine, and Bayless Johns Jr. After that, it's a bit of kind of – it's a gray area. We don't know exactly what they're going to be looking for. Overall in camp, which of the kind of depth pieces there at the wide receiver position have you personally been interested in that you really want to see make plays in this preseason to kind of push themselves above the rest?
4: Sure. Uh, I can be, you know, frankly honest and say any of them. Like, there's so many, and they're so, like, like you said, all in that same kind of pool. I just wanted to want someone to come impress me. Like, you show me yourself, present yourself to me, and uh, I'll be rooting for you. And I think... No, today, Isaiah Colter was kind of that guy for me. Just seeing him come mm-hmm. up with consecutive big catches downfield, awesome. I, I think Kevin Shaw, uh, they have totally different skill sets, but Kevin can really do some damage underneath on these crossing routes, and he has such breakaway speed and excellent acceleration where he's taking a shallow cross and immediately up to top gear and just runs away from the defenders in his area to gain more yards. Like, that's that's great. I don't know about his roster shot, but, like, guys like that that you haven't seen too much, Uh, you root for, um, but let's go back and uh, let's get emotional and bring up Daz Newsome because, right, there we go. I love it. Uh, Just because, again, like, he was someone I had a lot of problems for last year, was very excited about, unfortunate uh, injury that I think pretty much took him off the shelf, like, the whole rookie year. Like, of course, he started off, uh, you know, limited in camp and then practice squad, so we didn't get to see him. Uh, And he was practicing in the back end, but he's someone that I think as camp has gone on has gotten better. Uh, early on the camp, he wasn't doing too much. Last week, he started picking up a little bit, but I think this week, uh, he's taking it up just another level. So if he can keep that steady, you know, progression, while well, Dante Pettis uh, is someone that I thought was like borderline roster is on the sideline, like. You can sneak in uh, perhaps and uh, making the most of your opportunities. But those are just a few of the guys. And I'm personally a big Dante Pettis fan. I think he's very talented. I think he's a little brittle, uh, but uh, we've seen that throughout his career. But if you can stay healthy, like I wouldn't mind him uh, on this team, too, because he was drafted just a few years ago to be like like one of the best wide receiver twos in the entire NFL for the 49ers. And he did that his rookie season. And then injuries kind of stacked, and you know he ended up here after a couple of years. But if you can have someone that like that wide receiver 2 ceiling who showed it when he was healthy, but he's like your wide receiver 4 or 5, I think that it's just really good depth to have here as well. But yeah, those are just a few of the names uh, I think I've been paying attention to that you know as a Bears fan that I would be rooting for. But you know, Daz Newsome just being here a little bit longer, I think, and being a draft pick. And I know it wasn't Poles' draft pick, but still, you want to see your draft pick succeed. Uh, And we've had too many not succeed. So if you can figure it out, that'd be great. For this show in particular, I hope Daz Newsome succeeds because we've been pushing it for so long.
1: Like as a little joke over the last couple of practices, every time I uh, see a Daz Newsome, someone saying that Daz Newsome has caught a ball or something, we used to do hashtag Daz Newsome wide receiver one. (laughs) And we're just going to end up getting that trending at some point in time. But no, it'll be funny because even at the game this weekend, because We're going to be doing kind of a watching it all together. And I just want to see Anthony's face if Daz Newsom gets a touchdown because that would be absolutely perfect. Um, But yeah, like it is, it's one of those that's kind of difficult as you go forward, seeing who's going to be able to kind of be those last couple of guys. And you get somebody that ends up doing that. And then suddenly they get caught at the end because somebody else gets released on another team and they Uh, get brought in. Well, so,
4: uh, sorry to cut you off, uh, and I, I try my best not to ever do that. Especially you're the host, is your show, but we have breaking news, and we have to talk about this. Hold okay. on,
2: hold on, hold on. Kieran, do your thing, Kieran,
4: man. Oh, hold on, hold on, here we go.
3: Hold
1: on, hold on, get it right. Oh wait,
4: that was well. me. That was my cue. Shoot, see, I'm not here enough to do that. But <laughs> do <it. laughs> Rogue One Smith has been elevated off the pup list and he was not out of practice today. So maybe there is some negotiating going on. Something interesting.
1: So maybe if we stay on this stream long
4: enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my wife is going to hate you. I'm hours from no, home. You, you, and she you wants to be there.
1: Go. You can go. <laughs> it, it's fine. No, but like that is going to be interesting. I, I hope. Um, I hope that that's the case that it's more positive and it's not one of these things trying to force Roko hand because it would be nice to get this done, and um, just so we can all stop talking about it for a little bit. Um, I said that I'd only ask you for one or two lines, so will that's all I'm gonna say. What is your overall opinion of the on Smith situation? You. Ha- to make it easier, you have 30 seconds.
4: Go. Oh, my God. I, I See, as much as I don't want to talk about it, I don't know if 30 seconds is enough Go to on. either. Dude. Three, four, I don't know. <laughs> I totally don't know how to Take feel about long. this. And yeah. Can you guys tell me like, how I should feel about it? Because a part of me looks at it and is like, he was due to make $9 million this year as a base salary. He's mm-hmm. under contract. There's other players in this league. Tremaine Edmonds was a, as a linebacker. Who for the Buffalo Bills drafted eight spots after Roquan? He's entering his, uh, you know, his exercise option year, and even though he doesn't have a deal in place, he's like, nah, it's okay. I can't control it, uh, but all I can do is what I can do on the football field. I'm gonna have fun. David Montgomery's in a similar boat. He's playing like so. Mm-hmm. I, I see that side, but on the flip side, like Roquan Smith is very important to this defense, very important to this team, uh, and I think you know with him representing himself, it gets really weird really quickly because he doesn't yeah. have an agent to kind of guide him through this process as well. Uh, but I don't know. Like I want him to get his payday. I want him to be happy. I want him to be a Chicago bear, but he can't like hurt the team to do it. Right. Like you can't ask for too much money that you're not gonna be able to build a solid team around him because that money and that cap's being allocated to one player. Like you have to spread the wealth a little bit. And I, you would wish he'd take like a home, you know, like a hometown discount. Being here for a while and wanted to stay here too, so I don't know. I, I see both sides, like I said, and you can tell me how I'm supposed to be feeling because ever since this news broke yesterday, I've just been so conflicted.
1: I have been as well. Um, sorry, sorry Anthony, I let you you come in in just a second. I've been so conflicted because I'm like I've always said, okay, he deserves to get his money, but I'm at the point of where I don't know if I would pay it because I know what this team needs to do. We've been talking about it since actually the beginning of last year once justin fields was signed or was drafted at some point you got to allocate the resources to the offense and if you pay roquan smith all that money you still are gonna have to replace 30 to 40 guys next year are you going to be able to do that but then obviously the other side of of me is like well he's a phenomenal player he's one of your best players in the team you want to you want to sign those guys i'm in the same situation as you i'm like He helped negotiate whatever contract. He knows exactly what he was supposed to be doing. He knew he was signed for five years. If the Bears didn't want to negotiate, they don't have to negotiate now. They can wait for another year if they want to. So I am quite conflicted like you. I think I'm at the point of where I'm not going to be mad if they resign him. I'm not going to be mad if they trade him because I can see benefits and downsides to
4: both it's life right like there's pros and cons of any decision that you ever make uh, both of course here in a football environment as we're mentioning but it's really just a life lesson or just a perspective to keep as well so i don't know again like you it's so conflicting i wish it was madden and you can just take salary cap off and we can just oh, move yeah. on inside any amount of money and he's here you can build up a super team but yeah oh, and yeah. we don't have all the details and that's why i also feel like i can't the term, like definitively say like this is how I should feel and this is how I must feel and how I do because I don't know the details I don't know what he's asking I don't know what they're offering like you get some speculation out there too about it but at the end of the day like I want Ryan Poles to make the moves that he believes will make this the best team possible when we're supposed to be contending not just this year but like you know years down maybe a year or two when things can be a little bit better a little bit brighter and there's a more solid foundation here like he's starting and he's like honestly like ryan pulls that so many curveballs thrown his way for a first year gm and you know i thought he handled it really well yesterday getting in front of the media getting his side of the story out immediately we didn't see that from ryan pace all too much those unexpected you know pop-ups to the media room so for him to kind of like show his face and give us his side of the story right away to me already gained like additional spec for him too
2: yeah, and I think you've kind of got, you had the initial reaction from Ryan Poles yesterday, and it was kind of, it was all a shock. You could see it in his face. It was kind of like, I wasn't expecting this to sort of happen. And interestingly, this this uh, news about him being taken off the pup has only just come out, but already people are speculating, not that they're signing him to a contract, but that they're playing hardball now, and they're saying, well, if you're not going to play, and you're not going to turn up the practices, we're going to take you off the pup. And then you'll yeah. have to start getting fined at that point. So, you know, this could, this, this could be a tactic um, on the other side of the fence from polls. Is he reacting to this now that he's had time to think about it? You know, there's there's so many unanswered questions here. And unfortunately, Twitterverse just goes crazy when this things happen. Yeah. Um, I,
0: I also think, Tony, as well, first of all, I think polls handled it yesterday brilliantly. I really do. I think how he how he handled it, how he controlled the conversation, how he let questions be asked by by the media, and then shut it down after, let's say, four questions when he knew it could get out of control. I think that was really well handled. I think he 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 brought the he brought the conversation back to an adult conversation rather than an emotive Twitter conversation about the world's going to end. What I think is really interesting now is who is that taking him off the populist? Who is that for? I think that's the real question. Is it for Roquan and his team, or whoever that team is, to go, we're not playing anymore? We're not trying to help you out anymore? Or is it to, to other teams in the National Football League to say Roquan is available for a trade? It, it, it's, it's a really interesting move because it depends on who made the move and in what thought process they had when they made it. I think Ryan Poles has handled this last 24 hours, which must be unbelievably difficult for him, a first-time GM, I thought he's handled it
4: really well. Yeah, and I mean, Roquan with, you know, going through Ian Rapport yesterday with that statement kind of twists the hand, the arm a little bit of Ryan Poles, the Bears organization. And again, we don't know who made this call and the actual meaning behind it, but it could just be a twist back. You know, like, hey, you know what? You put our feet to the fire a bit. All right, your turn. You're going to get fine. You're not going to show up. Like, how do you want to approach it now? And uh, obviously Ian saying that he will not be expected to practice regardless of the fact. So we'll see, you know, how that exactly changes things up.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's, for me, reading into all of this, it's the Bears done being nice for all this sort of stuff. I feel like at the end of the day, this is what's, <laughs> who, is, who is this coming in? Hey, Nicholas, I how are you Nick. doing? <laughs> Nick. I can't hear anything you guys are saying. How are you doing? Oh, how's it going, everybody? I'm doing well. How do you feel about roquan? How do you feel about He's off the pup. That's all. That's all. I mean, it's a positive <laughs> sign, yeah. I think. But uh, no I, I just had Maybe. to just come in here and say hi to everybody. But you guys enjoy your show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. <then. laughs>
1: Two sneaky, sneaky. Right. <laughs> I was
4: crazy. like, who is coming in here? I was like, Good old Nick.
1: <laughs> yeah, look, it's, yeah. it's an interesting one. I don't know if this is just the Bears being like, we're done being nice and putting you on the pup if he wasn't actually hurt, And we know that if that's the case, they have the opportunity that they want to find them for not practicing that they can do that when you're on the pub, you can't, they don't do that. And it's a tough situation. It goes back to what we were talking about before is hard to know how to feel about this. I feel like this could get a little bit ugly. um, And often when that happens, that's when it's more likely where extensions don't happen and trade scenarios start to come up. So that's going to be one to monitor over, I don't know, the next week or two. I think as it gets closer to the season, that's when you see, kind of like Khalil Mack, when he got traded to the Bears. Mm-hmm. That if they don't, if they don't agree a deal after, but I think the week of the third preseason game, you can probably say that it's a decent chance that the Bears may end up trading him. Um, but again, none of us know. They may just say, "You got to play this year, and that's it." And if you don't play, we find you. And guys that want to do that. And the problem is, if he doesn't play this year. He still has contracted to the Bears for another year because he still has to do that accrued season, which he wouldn't have done. So it is a really difficult situation, kind of going forward.
4: It's uh,
1: yeah, it's interesting. We we're planning and on only talking about this for a minute, and then this happens.
4: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Come on! But I saw it pop through, and you know, I figured we can at least bring it up again. But like you said, like it's a very interesting situation. Uh, I think it's challenging uh, on both sides of the table here. Uh, And we just got to wait and see. I I hate speculating. Like, what is it? What could it be? Like, I wish we had concrete, definitive, like evidence or proof or someone does a statement of like, this is what's going on. And we can talk about that and what that means instead of just like throwing every possible option out there. And, you know, only one of them, if that is correct. So uh, patience, I think, for, you know, all of us here in the panel, plus, you know, all the Bears fans listening as this kind of unfolds.
3: Definitely. I'm sorry, just a quick thing on it, though. For Pauls, I think it's it's very important how he deals with it, because Roquan's statement was, was really strong, and he even talked about going to the McCaskies, basically saying, oh, I'm going above your head here. And I think for Pauls, being a first-time GM, it's important for him going forward how he deals with this. Does he want to be seen as caving to a player? Because how does that hit other negotiations down the road? And and But then again, Roquan is a very important player, so you need to... Balance that. So there's a lot of balance in here for him. So it it is going to be interesting to see how Pauls handles it going forward.
4: For sure. But uh, I'm gonna. I'm personally. I'm personally done with Roquan today. Uh, You guys can keep chiming in. But I don't know what else I can say that I haven't said. And like Uh, I said, I I get to a point like personally when it gets to like a speculation, it just to me I don't know how conductive like I can be in a conversation.
1: I I agree because like you can go through this like time and time again we spoke about this enough yesterday as well to the point of where you can come up with all the different scenarios but until we actually have clarity of what's happening um it's almost impossible to really analyze it It either we analyze it when he gets his contract extension we analyze it when he is playing without a contract or if he gets traded and that's they're the three kind of situations depending on where, where his fans feel if they feel there's a big importance on that position well then you'd be hoping that he gets extended if you feel like maybe maybe the player is worth that amount, but maybe it's not the right situation for the Bears to be selling a market in kind of at the outside linebacker position or off-the-ball linebacker position. And I think that's the biggest issue. I think if Roquan Smith was a patch rusher, he's probably gonna get signed as long. And if he had an agent, it might be a little bit easier in, in that case. Um but I think all the situations here it it makes it really difficult to kind of go over. Um so that's what we're going to finish up on rope one. Uh I do want to talk a little bit about the defense because we're going into this Chiefs game. Obviously a couple of rookies that could have played Kyler Gordon I don't expect to see him because he's been out the last while. But Jaquan Briskers in there he was asked about will he get a welcome to the NFL moment when he gets to come up against Patrick Mahomes. That's going to be interesting to see what happens i really like brisker's confidence they asked him i think who someone asked him about uh what was he looking forward to or for the game he's like the first thing i want to do is get a takeaway straight away and i was like that's my type of player that's what i want to see
4: i think brisker is going to become a fan favorite here in chicago really yeah. soon this season uh, i don't i can't think of one thing to not like about the, the guy uh, whether it's his mindset his approach to the game his Confidence and just really how what he brings to the field with his skill set, like he seems like the complete package. And that's just, you know, as a Bears fan my entire life, like I feel like I know a special safety when they come around. It's not yeah. often, like, but when they do appear, like I feel like I can diagnose that pretty well. And I, I think this guy's going to be it. He's uh. He's a jack of all trades kind of back there, and can help the Bears in so many different ways. Whether it's uh, you know being physical uh, at the catch point against these receivers, popping that ball up because he's going to lay the hit on those receivers, uh, anticipating where that quarterback's going to go, uh, and kind of getting in the way and coming away with interception or just a PBU in general. I've seen him excel in man coverage. I've seen him excel in zone coverage. I've seen him you know crash off the line of scrimmage in a blitz and make some havoc in the backfield. Uh, I've seen him. Uh, even today like he didn't have like many special plays today but like one small thing he did well was when the bears kept running outside he jammed down there in a hurry take on the lead blocker which forced the running back instead of keep bouncing it outside to the open space he kind of closed that area and forced the play and funneled it back inside and the bears linebackers matthew adams joe thomas like I'm uh, sorry nicholas morrow were out there today and they were able to kind of like feast because all those plays are getting funneled right back into the heart of the defense and he doesn't always have to do the most impressive athletic thing but like just even being willing to like say i'm gonna take on this lead blocker i'm gonna blow him up for you know freak out the running back enough to make him you know want to go back inside and then we're gonna make this play uh for a short game you'll love to see it but yeah there's just so much to like about jaquan and i'm just excited that he's a bear and i look forward to watching him to continue to develop and get some game action yeah, and he's I think definitely that's... going to be a favourite,
1: I think. Sorry, Tony. Yeah. I think he's definitely going to be a fan favourite because especially if he does play in that way, because you saw how much people loved Eddie Jackson early on in his career, because we're always a team that loves their safeties. Now, that's kind of come down over the last number of years. If Brisker can show how good he can be, but also can help unlock the good side of Eddie Jackson, I think that even goes further to why he'll become that fan favourite. Tony, sorry for putting across, yeah.
2: Yeah, no, I was just going to say something very similar because, you know, the, the defensive back room was a disaster last year. You know, how many blown plays that we have and how many how many close games did we lose that arguably, you know, if you've got a better setup at the back there, um, you know, we don't lose, you know. So th- these are definitely going to make the difference between, you know, wins and losses. And I wanted to ask that question about Eddie Jackson, you know, and having these kind of, high draft picks playing in alongside them, really elevating that, that room. I mean, what, what's, you know, not, not many people are really talking about Eddie Jackson too much at the minute. Um, you know, everyone's talking about brisker safety is, you know, Jackson's kind of flying under the radar at the moment, almost what, what's he been like in practice as well, like from, from the days that he's been practicing, Have, have you seen any sort of, you know, marked improvement in, Or, or Not marked improvement, but maybe just ways that he's been used differently from last year Mm -hmm. that that have stood out.
4: Yeah, so I see improvement. Uh, I feel like his ability to be around the football that we saw early on in his career, I've seen throughout these practices, Uh, when there's a deep shot, how this defensive schemes lined up where he gets to pretty much whether they're doing like a cover one and he's like the lone free safety back there, kind of roaming the middle of the field, or if they're in their cover two and he has like a half of that field to kind of work with, like he's been around the football a lot uh, and making plays on it. Uh, today there is one, uh, there's a pass to Tajay Sharp over the middle of the field and it Justin hit him right between the numbers. And this is about 15, 20 yards downfield and Jackson from behind kind of lays a pop out him. And the ball comes out due to that. So he forced the completion by being aggressive. And that's not something we saw a ton of out of Eddie Jackson over the last couple of years. And I feel like overall he's bought in to what the Bears are building around him in terms of like the scheme. I think he's 100% bought in. He's mentioned that like, you know, I haven't been put in the best position to kind of be myself under some like Sean Desai, Chuck Pagano. And I think we all saw that. And honestly, and I think most importantly, and I actually wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, just listen to Eddie Jackson talk to the media. I feel like he's being challenged again and pushed. And I felt like Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel did that excellent. Like they held him to a high standard. They expected a lot out of him and they challenged him in practice. And then when they left, Chuck Pagano saw, Hey, look, I have an all pro you know, safety here. Like I don't have to coach him up too much. Like I don't need to like push him and that softer coaching style. I think allowed Jackson to get complacent. I think we all saw that happen too. And just not inspired, but with this new coaching staff in here, uh, the focus on intensity, the focus on turnovers and the scheme being suited to kind of allow him to be his best self, uh just being that back end defender who gets to kind of like diagnose, watch the quarterback go and make a play, you know, see ball, get ball. And as we mentioned with Jaquan Brisker being a top, like a really good talent next to him, which, you know, uh to Sean Gibson wasn't that haha Clinton Dix wasn't that like they were kind of holding him back too. So like all those things combined, like I feel cautiously optimistic that Eddie Jackson can kind of look more of what we saw back early on his career compared to like maybe the last two, two years or so.
1: Yeah. I think what was interesting about some of the press conferences today is we got some very interesting nuggets. So we'll kind of go through them very quickly. So first one was one of the things that took away from Mooney's press conference was when they asked him about Nikhil Harry. And he basically said that he knows when he's coming back and that he's happy we had Cairo Santos kind of not happy about the field and a soldier, which and that yet yeah, they still want the Bears to join stay the club. In exactly. Yeah. It's like every single year. And um, there's been a bunch of other stuff that's kind of come out and like one well, I think it was Robert Quinn basically made a little joke about that as well. And he I thought he was good, some of the things that he said about Braxton Jones. What's some of your takeaways from I guess some of the player interviews after these practices do you think that they have been as open and candid as they can do you think that they've i guess it comes from like the vibe of the coach that it that they're open to being able to talk because we've seen it with previous coaches that when players see that the coach doesn't want to give anything away they tend to be the same How have you felt about some of the players after practice this year
4: yeah i don't think there have been. uh too many times where they're holding back uh like you know uh, refusing to answer a question or kind of dancing around i mean we got that with mooney today but like i did not expect him to give us a timetable and a kill here that's not his job and coach eberflus has been very adamant that he's not going to be you know giving too many injury updates unless he's like mandated to for competitive uh purposes which fine i get it uh helps bears fans feel better if they kind of know the situation but same time like That's his prerogative, and uh, I do understand and can see the benefit behind it. But, no, overall, they've been, I think, really good interviews and just candid. Like, hearing Santos talk about the field today and just being unapologetic about it, like, yeah, it sucks. Like, I have to walk Trenton Gill, my rookie punter slash holder, around Soldier Field and showing him, okay, there's a divot here. There's a hole here. If we're kicking a field goal from this mark, we're going to have to move, like, a couple feet to the left or right. Pack skills is good he's used to this by now, but like you have to like dance around like holes in the field. And that's yeah. for, for an NFL, you know, club, like that's unacceptable. Like I honestly believe so. Like that should not be the product uh, of a field that a team should have to play on. Uh, but luckily, you know, at least for Santos, he's been around and he kind of gets the ins and outs of soldier field from a kicking perspective. But yeah, like that's just one example of them being more candid. And I, I do feel like at least today too, like hearing him talk up, uh, you know, uh, uh, scales a bit too, calling him like one of the best long snappers in the league, talking up uh Trenton Gill too about his work ethic, like at least the players that's putting out in front of us and like how they've been talking about both the coaching staff uh, themselves and like their teammates. It's been, you know, obviously you're going to kind of like pump each other up, but I don't think it's a lot of fluff. I, I think it's real. I, I think it's substantial and uh, a lot of these players that have come in like Trenton Gill, Braxton Jones via the draft, uh, I feel like They have the right mindset. And I think that means a lot as you're building a new culture, establishing that and kind of building a new foundation for this team that Ryan Poles is trying to do. It does feel like a lot of these younger guys that he's brought in really embody a very, you know, competitive mindset, a humble one, but like they have real drive and Mooney today was talking about like, Oh, i I can see the benefit of having a defensive head coach. Now I'm at Eberflus. Like he planned during the season to sit down, watch film with coach Eberflus on the opponent's defenses. So Eberflus can tell him what he's seeing and how like the weaknesses of that defense and like how he would exploit it or no, he could be exploited as like a defensive coach and like having that, that motivation. And just that drive to like be a self starter and do that. And like taking advantage of like having a defensive minded head coach and someone who's really good at it, like, having more players like that, I think that's awesome uh, as this team continues to kind of like get rebuilt a little bit.
2: And talking about having a defensive head coach puts all the kind of emphasis on the offense, on the offensive coordinator. And what I did want to ask is, because there was a lot of questions around in uh, Luke Getzey when he got this job, you know, he'd never called plays before. Um, you know, there was, there was concerns over that. They didn't really know what they were what, the kind of guy that we're getting as well. Um, We've talked about the type of wide receivers the Bears have brought in um, this season. We've talked about the guys who are kind of chapping at the door, trying to get a 53-man roster spot. So I'm wondering how important Luke Getze is and how important his system is in sort of making this work. You can slot guys into the system as opposed to having to have you know, what we're always just doing, number one and number two receivers and, you know, having to rely on just the skill set of that one person, as opposed to, you know, looking at a group of people who can fit a mold. And the other question I want to ask quickly as well on that as well is when you've seen Luke Getsy on the field, what's he like? Because the, the thing that people say is, oh, if Luke Getzey's successful, someone's going to come in and want to become a head coach but is he a kind of guy that become a head coach? Mark Tressman was never a guy that could become a head coach, but he was an offensive coordinator. You know, he sat there, he could scheme plays, great, but he was never a guy who could lead a team. Is Luke Getsy that sort of guy?
4: Hmm, two really good questions. And then he had to throw Mark Tressman in there and give me some PTSD about his time. Hey, you know what, though? His (laughs) first year as Bears head coach, you said it. This dude's an offensive coordinator. And I remember that the bears were the second highest scoring offense that season behind Peyton Manning and the Broncos. And then it was the bears too bad. The defense fell apart that year. Like it could have been something a little bit more successful, but uh, Luke Getsey, uh, how important is he? I think outside of Justin Fields, you can, he's probably the second most important player for the success or sorry, person for the success uh, behind this bears offense, uh, his scheme, uh, it's going to mean everything to in terms of like just getting Justin comfortable. And there's just too many times last year where he was not, and he was not put in a position to really succeed. So gets he's job. And what I think he's going to do well is finding ways for Justin to be comfortable in the game, within the game plan, the game flow. And as the play calls are coming in and out and, and not, you know, hanging him out to dry, like we saw a couple of times last season. And that may help overcome some of the shortcomings on the offensive line. If we feel like there's some there, same thing with the talent at wide receiver, like, he, I think Getsy is flexible enough, and he's not as stubborn as the previous coaches. So he's going to look at the team that he has, the talent that he has to work with, and also the opponent that they're playing against and come up with the best game plan to kind of blend you know, all those variables. And that's something that we have not seen in Chicago for you know, some time, and it's going to be so refreshing, I think, once we get to the regular season. Uh, in terms of how he's been out there, uh, you don't hear him yelling or anything of that nature. I uh, like some of the positional coaches like Coach Eberflus, but that's okay. Probably just a little bit of a different coaching style. But, you know, he's uh, always giving feedback after each and every play. He and Justin have, you know, continual conversations uh, as well. But even though when the twos are out there, he's also paying attention, getting those play calls in as well. But, yeah, Saturday, uh, I, I mentioned this actually in the Seattle Bears podcast right before I came on here. Like, as much as it sucks to have all these injuries at key positions, like at wide receiver, and we're not going to be able to evaluate some of these guys like Luke gets to get into call plays. I think it's, it's a big storyline this Saturday and getting to call plays with Justin Fields in the huddle and them starting to kind of build that chemistry you know, this Saturday against the chiefs. I think it's very important uh, that are going to be three games. We don't know how much Justin's going to play, you know, on all these preseason games. So the time that they get together, uh, getting the play calls in, building some of that trust too, like, Hey, I'm going to call, you know, the right play at the right time. And you're not going to be put in a position to fail. Like, I think getting that, solidified now and getting some of that positive momentum is huge uh so yeah i think getsy uh is very 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 important uh for the spares offense this season and you know they can live or die by his play calling uh by his ability to adapt and be flexible
1: yeah absolutely and look we have gone 59 minutes and i haven't asked you a single question about justin fields so that's what we're going to finish this on Let's we go. we get to see him again for the first time in a very long time on on Saturday. I don't suspect we'll see a lot of Justin Fields depending on how the offense does early in the game. But what have been your kind of takeaways from from him this offseason? Because he seems like he's become the kind of leader of the team that he's kind of the guy that especially on the offensive side, people are going around. And we we've seen little instances of where he's improved a little bit. His kind of wind up doesn't look as dangly anymore, his footwork is looks to be a lot sharper and improved. And then like we were just mentioning with Gatsy, it may play to the strengths of Justin for the first time in 12 months. So what is your impression going into the season for Justin Fields?
4: Sure. Uh, Overall, like you're right. Like you can sense and feel that leadership uh, being on a whole nother level compared to where it was this time a year ago in camp. Of course, this time it was, you know, Andy Dalton's team. So you can't really just take that. uh, But I think he's embraced that leadership role. Uh, He's someone that these teammates rally around uh, and will play, you know, hard for Uh, what I've seen from him on the field. Of course, it's been a mixed bag. He's learning his second NFL offense in two years. Uh, He's working with receivers outside of Darnell Mooney that he's really never thrown to before. Uh, And he's working with different centers up front. So there's so many different variables in play where like, yeah, you're not going to always be perfect and you're not going to see that. And I think yesterday at family fest, I saw him struggle a bit. Like he didn't make the reads quick enough. He was holding on the ball too long. And when he did make a throw, it was like, Ooh, why why did he choose that guy? And throwing off his back foot and a, a little bit lazy in some of those regards, but, then today he comes back and he's sharp. Uh, Like I said, he was making downfield throw after downfield throw in tight windows, uh, finding ways to rocket that ball in there, or really just throwing the ball at the right time with some touch to get it right in the spot where it needs to be in order for that throw to be made. So, uh, you know, mixed bag on the field. Leadership, uh, I think, is definitely taking a step up. And uh, I know this preseason, like I said, we don't know how much we'll see him actually on the field. And even if it's, you know, not, Overly great. I'm still going to hold out hope that week one things are slightly different once you get a real game plan in place. You're not going to show all your cards. Like it's going to be a very vanilla offense, very vanilla attack. It's just going to be more of, again, I think just going through a progression, getting in, uh, getting in out of the huddle, getting everyone lined up, getting in the right spot, like just getting back into that flow, I think is going to be the most important things. And if he makes some really great throws along the way, then, uh you know, sign me up. Yeah, all the better if that happens.
1: But look, Will, we really appreciate your time. You do a great job getting a lot of the information out there for a lot of Bears fans. We appreciate it. We will definitely be talking to you as we get closer to the season. It's always a great time having you and Nicholas on the show when he likes to join in the background, but we really, really appreciate it.
4: Absolutely. Thanks again for having me guys. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on. I, I love sharing, you know, all the information I can to fellow Bears fans It's always been a passion of mine for years. And, uh, uh i'm thankful that you allowed me to come on your podcast to kind of do what i love to do so thank you for that and uh, i'll see you all soon yeah see you soon Will. will have a good one
1: talk soon take care all right so one thing i do want to bring up before we get to kind of the craziness of the show uh where we get to do our kind of mystery topic of the week we get to do our good or bad or ridiculous all that sort of fun stuff um just for people wondering about the roquan smith situation I think this is the Bears kind of firing back and being like, okay, if you want to play in the media, we're taking you off the pup list. And what does that mean? Well, what it means is basically that the Bears can now fine Roquan Smith forty thousand dollars per day for not for not practicing. They can also fine him one eighteenth of his twenty twenty-two base salary for any exhibition game missed, which in turn is a big thing because there's an exhibition game on Saturday. So if he doesn't play that, he gets fined for every practice beforehand. He gets fined an 18th of whatever his base salary is for 2022. And that can continue over the next couple of weeks. For me, and I don't know about you guys I going to let each one of you kind of talk about your opinions on this. For me, it's basically Ryan Paul saying, you want to play this game? Well, here you go. We're not doing any favors to you anymore. You want to try and disrespect kind of the front office the way he did this is how they're going to fire back and that's why i think this is going to get quite ugly which the more i see this the more likely it looks like he could potentially get traded but i don't know that's just my kind of takeaway from it um look anthony i'll go to you first um what's your opinion on everything that's happened in the last like 30 minutes um and even just yesterday about Smith. you're on mute
2: He's speechless.
0: It's yeah, totally speechless. <laughs> it's for once. Uh I find it look, I want Roquan Smith to play for the Chicago Bears. He is our best player. until Justin Fields overtakes him, which hopefully will be this season. But he's our best player. And you want your best players to be here. You want someone who says they want to be here to be here. But Ryan Pohl's job is to look after the Chicago Bears, not the Chicago Roquan Smith. And and I think this. The more and more I think about this last half an hour, I think a lot of it was aimed at the locker room, and not just at Roquan Smith. That if you guys want to fuck around with me and the front office of the Chicago Bears, those days are over. So you don't want to be here. You you want to get traded. You think you've had enough. You don't respect. You think we whatever you think it is. Uh, then we're going to do this and your move. And I think. The thing you got to remember is Roquan believes he's worth $23 or whatever figure he thinks he's worth. Does Ryan Poles think that? Does Ryan Poles think that he can go out and get somebody in the draft um, and then use that money in other areas that he feels he needs to? Uh, A lot of things that were said yesterday by Ryan Poles in that four-minute interview was really, really fascinating. And I think this is just the next level onto that. I think he made a point about the disrespect of his, his team in the front office and how important that is to him and how loyal he is to those guys, I would feel. But I think this isn't just aimed at Roquan. This is aimed at pretty much everybody in the locker room to go, do you know what? The days of you guys having kicks at us, the days of you guys blaming the front office of Chicago Bears might have happened in the past, but it's not going to happen for this one. And we we had it last year. We Akeem Hicks was getting really really angry at our front office, and maybe he was right. Who knows? I don't know. And there was other players getting really angry at our front office. And I think this is Ryan Poles after sitting down with other people around that and going, you know what? We got to, we got to make a statement here. And I agree with you, Karen. I think in the last half an hour, it's the most I felt that he won't be playing. I, I said it yesterday on Twitter. I, I was convinced he was going to be playing week one. He was going to be, when we go over to Chicago in October, he was, he was going to be playing for the Bears. This is the first time uh since this whole thing has, has blown up that I actually feel this, this might be the end of all Kwan's men in Chicago.
2: I, I spoke about this a lot yesterday, so I don't want to take up too much t- time myself talking about it. But one thing I do want to say is, is we've seen Trace Armstrong in the uh, in, in the facility today, um, who is the agent for Iberflus and Poles. Um, now, him being there could be absolutely nothing to do with anything, you know, or it could be someone taking advice on what way do we go with this next. Now, I'm sure the Bears have plenty of guys in the front office who can help make that decision. Um, But, you know, it never hurts to have someone else. So, I don't know, it's just everything just seems to be curious timing. You know, like, you have someone turn up at practice who's never usually there before, and then fast forward four hours, five hours, and, you know, he's off the pup list kind of thing. There's a game on Saturday. Is he going to play on Saturday? Well, he hasn't practiced all week, so the likelihood is he won't play. But is he going to make himself available to play on Saturday? Um, you know, there's, there's, there's so many new questions that have arisen just from this one transactional move. But regardless of what happens, this is an accelerant. So, you know, either it accelerates towards, well, we're going to get this thing sorted. We're going to get a contract agreed and we're going to move on. Or it accelerates in the other direction towards, well, as, as you just said, Anne, is this the end of Roquan Smith in Chicago? Are we going to see a trade soon? You know, because again, as someone mentioned earlier on, you're taking him off the pup indicates to the rest of the league that this guy is not unable to play. He's he's able to play. Let's get you know. So if you want, you want to come in for him, he's 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 on the status that he needs to be on. Let's make it happen. You know, who knows what's going to happen at this point? But it, as I say, either way, it accelerates the situation, and I think we could see something happen over the next week week and a half. I don't even think it's going to take until you know two three weeks from there, I think it could happen sooner rather than later because if, hypothetically, there is a trade, those teams are going to want to get their new guy in, get him acclimated with everything, you know, learn the the defense and all this kind of stuff, rather than waiting until the, the last... I mean, we could do it with Khalil Mack because Khalil Mack's just a different situation altogether. You put him out in the field and you say, go rush the passer. I mean, there's more to it than that, obviously. However, he's the kind of guy, that, and that's the type of position where you could do that with. But if you get a middle linebacker, potentially a guy who eventually might be calling the plays on defense as well with whichever team he goes to, there's a lot more that goes into it. So I think something, if something's going to happen, I think it's going to happen sooner than we expect it to happen, personally.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I think you guys are spot on. I think what I'm said earlier as well is the same for me. I was convinced he's staying, he's staying, he's staying. But now it's like, I don't know. But the more I thought about last night's or yesterday's statement, more I kind of thought, now, like that—that that is just the wrong statement for a player to be making. You know, he—he he took a lot of shots at, at Polls and the team, as I mentioned earlier. He talked about going over the head. He kind of sneakily brought the McCaskies in to to ramp up the pressure, and that's not a—you know what I mean? That's not what you want to see. You don't want to see that as a tour a fourth statement. You certainly don't want to see it out of the gate. And for me, it was just the wrong way for him to go. And as I said earlier, I think this is important for Polls. This this is him setting his marker on how he is going to run this team and what he is going to let players get away with or not get away with. And and he needs to, and I agree with Tony, it should happen quickly. And I hope it does, because either way, this is a distraction that the Bears don't need but know? who's doing the who's
0: going to be doing the deal? And what they I mean can. by that is like who is Roku? So let's say we all say he's going to be trading, the Bears say he's going to be traded. Who's going to be the one going to the teams to negotiate? it'll, ha- it'll
1: have to, it'll have to be the teams coming to the Bears if Roquan doesn't have an agent because Roquan won't be allowed to talk to teams exactly because it'll co- it'll go under tampering rules and that's when that's why teams teams will not talk directly to Roquan Smith and because he doesn't have any representation the only way a trade's going to happen is look teams aren't stupid teams know that like Ian Rappaport will tell teams that look Roquan Smith wants out if the bears are if the bears are willing to go for it like that's how this is going to work i don't know what to think because i just think this is a escalation by the bears to just be like if you want to try and play your hand and think that player power is bigger than the organization you've got another thing coming and that's that's the big thing and while i always want to lean towards the players at the end of the day like no player is bigger than the organization and that's what you have to see. And at the end of the day, this is this is one of the things that they gave Roquan Smith. Roquan Smith said <laughs> that they were disrespecting him and that they were not giving him what he wanted. And the one thing we said on our show yesterday was that we didn't understand that because the Bears had given Roquan Smith, they put him on the public so he didn't get fined throughout the last two weeks of camp. And now they've just played their cards where they're like, you know what? if you don't if you think we're not doing it in good faith we'll remove one of the things that we did do in good faith and see how you like it and Absolutely. that's the way this is going to go and unfortunately it wouldn't have went this way if Roquan didn't go to the media this early roquan smith i think his biggest mistake was not having an agent for this situation we've spoken to peggy yesterday you can get by being a rookie and not having an agent because you can do your contract it's pretty much the same flat, if you're yeah. yeah if you're making like 2 or 3 million dollars a year you can probably do those contracts; they're not a big deal. But when it's such a big deal that you're looking for, that you want so much more than Darius Leonard, like that's the biggest. That's the biggest indicator there. If you want so much more than, look, I love Roquan, but if you actually compare, like whatever his name is now, with Darius Leonard, Shaquille Leonard,
3: Shaq now <laughs> um, isn't he? <laughs>
1: yeah, he changed his name. Um, whatever he wants to go by, he's had a more productive year than Roquan Smith especially in some of the things that you're looking for. That doesn't mean Roquan's not a phenomenal player. He is. But at the end of the day, I don't want to come out here and say that I want to trade Roquan Smith. But if Paul's doesn't believe that he wants to be spending that amount of money on that position, well, then you go get as much as you can because you don't want this to come out to where you're forced to have to franchise tag Roquan Smith and then really not want to play at the end of next year. So that's where I think either you get he either gets his extension this year or he gets traded this year. I think those are really the two main points that could happen. But look, there's going to be more escalations. I wouldn't be surprised if there's more stuff to go out into the media that Roquan will try and leak because, again, he's losing a lot of the leverage that he had. The one leverage play that he had was to come out to the media Personally, I feel like he did it too early. He should have done it when it was a little bit closer. Um, Sorry, Kieran,
3: just just on that going out to the media, I think he obviously thought he would get, you know, as you said earlier, generally fans like the back players in these kind of situations. I think he's miscalculating because I haven't seen the support behind them. I thought you would from the fan base. It's, it's been fairly you did, like the, you, been... you did at the start, right? Yeah, I think at it kind of start. snowballed a bit where people kind of then Because a lot of the, the comments I see now, they're not backing him. They're saying, well, look, 17, 18, 19 million fine. If you want more than that, the fucking door, like, go for it. I, I think he's miscalculated on how much, maybe it's because of the type of statement it was, but I think he's miscalculated on the amount of support he would get in this, and it hasn't actually worked out the way he talked.
1: But that's why I, I think his mistake was doing this at the time that he did it. Like, how. I don't want to say like he's, he's stupid or whatever because he's a smart dude. Yeah, he, he's a finance yeah, major, all that sort of stuff, right? But why are you pulling this on the day of Family Fest? Well, you know, if look, Ryan Polls really wants to get in front of this, he can go and do a press conference, with, which he just did. And that's when anybody that was very pro Roquan Smith, like especially a lot of like the beat reporters and stuff like that, Polls comes out and he's honest with them about everything and is basically says at the very end of the conference it's not easy in the fact that he doesn't have an agent he's calling out everything and basically polls called roquan's shot and that was really the only thing that kind of roquan had and unfortunately when you do then if you pull that too early you've no more because if it comes to the media again he then looks desperate He looks like he's just complaining to the media and trying to get sympathy in negotiations, and people will literally just say, get yourself an agent and let the agents deal with it. Like, I I just feel like he could have done this in a better way. If you want to negotiate and not have an agent, okay, that's fine. Don't try and drag a whole organization in the mud. If you're going to do it for a new front office, like no offense, the ownership isn't going to bail on a new front office six months into it when there hasn't even been one game played yet. This is the, the wrong kind
3: of, because of that, this is the wrong kind of front office to take on because they're only in the door. So they have a lot of leeway in what they're going to do because they're starting from the bottom up. And they, they didn't draft
1: you. Like at the yeah. end of the day, they could have they could just be like, yeah, look, we didn't want to pay all that money for that position. And that's it. That's a di- more difficult situation if it's like Ryan Pace, right, who drafted Roquan Smith. Because then you're like, well, you draft them in the top 10, you won't pay them. Now, this is a new GM where we've said it all the time is the only links that they have to this organization are their draft picks and their free agent signings. If they wanted, they could fucking trade Justin Fields if they wanted. They didn't draft him. So, like, at the end of the day, I, I think he overplayed his hand a little bit. And he's, like you said, you're starting to see that because there's a lot of people that are not on his side. There's a lot of people that are looking at this and being like, this probably is a little bit easier if you have an agent because you probably don't get too emotional about probably the first contract that's being offered, which like I mentioned on the show yesterday, those first contracts that are offered, the agent usually rejects it and doesn't even give it to their client because again, they know it's a kind of a lowball offer because that's what negotiation is. You're not going to give somebody what they want in the first time you're going to offer them a contract. You're going to go to your lowest point just in case somebody's willing to accept it, right? Right. Normally, doesn't happen. Roquan will go to his highest point where Roquan wants to be paid the most. He wants to pay way more in guarantees than Darius Leonard was or Shaquille Leonard. And, like, that's where we are right now. And now it's just going to be teams, the team, and also Roquan playing their hand. The problem that Roquan has is the team probably have a couple more moves that they can make here. Um, like I said, they can continuously find him over the next while. It's a tough situation and also roquan smith doesn't have a no trade clause because he's in a rookie deal they can trade him to whoever they want so it's not like it's the second contract where you have that in there so that's the other thing you have to be a little bit um smart about if they get a good deal from it doesn't matter it can be the texans who suck or it can be the jets or whatever they can go and trade them to wherever they want to because they feel like they have the most amount of value there and that's the interesting one as we as we go forward but look it was important there to kind of mention everything about Rogue One because again I think this is, this is going to be news it's just going to be filtered out very quickly over the next while about this um but yeah it will be interesting to see how we go um yeah so look it is one of those um one thing I want to do before we go on to the next section which is going to be uh, the mystery topic of the week. Um, you may see over the next while that some of the guys here might be wearing a particular type of t-shirt or a hoodie or something like that. you'll probably see us with them on in in October. we're basically looking at stereotypes or stuff we're not putting it out there for you guys yet because we want to make sure that where we distribute them where, we get it as the most cost effective for all you guys, but also that the delivery times are not crazy um, and that we get the best quality t shirt. So we have the design already. We will here kind on. of release here that. On, sorry. A bit Stand, up.
3: Stand up, Kieran. Stand, Stand up. Come on. <laughs>
1: I'll just do it like this.
3: Okay, move the camera.
1: There we go. So that's the front of it. And yeah, I'll put out the back in a little bit later. But yeah. <laughs> that's basically where we're at at the moment so we, we will be kind of sending these out for you guys if anybody wanted it and tony just like disappeared after that um up, yeah he doesn't have one he's oh, he's Yeah, his he's, wife,
0: like, can't handle the R's shirt
1: exactly so look we will be getting these out to you guys if when people um want it we will be getting a different types of like merchandise we're trying to organize getting things like caps, hats, all that sort of stuff as well. Um, but it will take time because, again, what we want to do is we want to make sure it's most cost-effective for you guys, but also the fact that it doesn't take ages to deliver and that the quality is there. So we are testing out different T-shirt companies with the same design and stuff like that to make sure that we have the best quality there. Um, so that's what we'll be doing over the next while. And then fairly soon, we'll be getting these out to you guys to wear – you'll be able to order them. Um, so you will see us. Uh, I wish, Lee, I wish it came with the intro <laughs> music. Maybe we'll do a CD just to be in the different intro yeah. songs. But that's it. I don't know where Tony's actually gone to. His computer must have died. Um, because we are going into the mystery topic of the week, so we kind of needed him in here as well. Um, but yeah, for the mystery topic of the week, I took a little bit of, uh, I guess, a little bit of... Uh, advice from you last week Anthony I really liked your topic last week Where it was like the most Overrated or underrated TV shows or movies This week I'm going to put a sports angle Onto it So I want each of you okay? As Tony is slowly getting back into the chat Because his wifi must have completely like Kicked off uh, Or else he just went to What's going on Tony
2: Sorry guys What um, happened uh, This raccoon ran into the room. No, it was the Wi Fi. It was the Wi Fi. I'm oh. sorry, I do apologize.
1: Of course. We're going into the mystery topic of the week. So as I said, to pay a little bit of homage to Ant's topic last week, we're going to do a little bit of a sports angle onto it. Um so I want you guys to pick your most overrated and underrated athlete of all time. You can do athlete or team, whatever you want, but most overrated and underrated. So Gonna be nice. Who wants to go first? And then they can choose because I know I always tend to like just pick on Noel half the time and just make him do it because I know he freaks out when he gets no, pulled. Oh, I'm good.
3: I'm good. I think I'm I think I'm good.
1: All right. Okay, uh, I'll go, I'll go then. That's go on. Fine.
3: Well, overrated, and you're not gonna like it, Kieran. I'm gonna say David Beckham. I think he was a very good player with a good with a great delivery, but I think he was a PR machine, he had great PR people that made. People outside of, you know, who watched the Premiership Would probably think Beckham was one of the greatest players That ever played the game And he wasn't that good He was very good, but he wasn't that good So he was a bit of a PR machine to a point And underrated Sorry Ant, I'm going to rub it on you But that's Newsome He's not getting (laughs) the respect respect he deserves Outside of Ant He's going to do it this year for you Ant Yeah
1: Very good All right, Anthony, your turn Who is the most overrated or underrated and underrated um, athlete of all time?
0: Right, I'm going to go with the overrated one, and it's Karen. Because literally, he chokes all the time. He is owned by the San Francisco 49ers, and anyone that saw the big cat interview. If you haven't seen it, you gotta go and watch it again. Cause that man absolutely nailed Karen Rodgers and it was absolutely fantastic. Um I just think he's overrated. That's my own personal opinion. Um he's nowhere near Brady. It's just my opinion and what it would be with a quarterback. Um, he does it against poor teams, he does it against teams that he can win and does all these magic plays. And let's see what he's like without a wide receiver. Um and also when it gets to the quarter when it gets to the playoffs, he won't do anything most underrated player of all time. I'm going to go with an Irish soccer player as well, to Noel. And I'm going to go with Paul McGrath. right? And people won't know Paul McGrath in America because you're like, who the hell is this guy? Paul McGrath was basically an international soccer player that played one position for his club and all through his career. And the international manager decided to put him in a completely different position. And he went to the World Cup in 1990. He was up there, with probably the best players in the tournament, it would be the equivalent of taking Justin Fields as a quarterback and telling him, "Right, Justin, now you are a running back or a fullback or a wide receiver," and him going out and being the best player on the team. He probably would do it anyway, but it's just an example I would go. So, that, those the two that came to my head: Rogers and and um and uh, Paul McGrath. It's a most it, it is a great question because. I know for a fact I'll be thinking about it later on going, oh, that guy, how do I not mention him? Ah, oh, shit. So, yeah, that that's. And I may come in later on out of nowhere and just throw
3: in a, another one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, McGrath, McGrath's a great call, considering he couldn't even train. He just played. He didn't have the knees to train. And and actually, oh, McGrath, great one.
0: Paul McGrath in his book, right? He won the player of the year for the for the Premier, well, won the Premier League back then, first division. And he can't remember any of it because he was an alcoholic. And he was absolutely off his face, so much so that he used to drink Dettol because in Dettol it says alcohol, and in his book he spoke about that. So he won the best player in the whole tournament while absolutely off his face. A bit like Rogers up in up in up in uh, Green Bay. Only he doesn't win, so yeah, it goes back to my over oh,
1: There you go, Tony. <laughs> Your turn.
2: So the most overrated sports person that I have seen in the last couple of decades has got to be tennis player tim henman so (laughs) this guy this guy i mean some people might know tim henman and and, uh, that are watching but he's sort of been like the british poster boy for tennis for a long long time um but the problem is is he's not very good and he's never been very good um but they've always kind of like bigged him up they had wimbledon championships they had henman hill and all this kind of stuff and the guy would never go further than like the quarterfinals ever sort of thing but he was like he was uh he was the savior of british tennis apparently utter nonsense when you compare him against uh uh andy murray who uh is scottish when he went uh, when he, he loses and <laughs> british when he wins uh then uh you know he's, he's he's nowhere near so yeah tim henman is absolutely overrated no doubt about that underrated um you Know it wouldn't be a sports question without me talking about Celtic. I mean, <laughs> there was a, there was a, a guy who played for Celtic back in the late nineties, early two thousands called Lubomir Moravchik. Oh,
0: well, what a player!
2: Now Lubomir Moravchik was a Slovakian sort of attacking midfielder who controlled played... the ball with
0: his arse.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> I, no, it, it was like Yuri Geller bending spoons, except he bent that ball in the top the top right hand corner, man. The guy was just an unbelievably skillful player who flew under the radar his entire career, ended up at Celtic when he was 33 or 34, and blew the whole place away. And you're just like... Why did no one ever notice this guy before? It's kind of like Henrik Larsson not getting picked up until he came to Celtic. You know, the end he goes to Barcelona, goes to Man United, wins a couple of Champions Leagues. And it's just like, it's weird how these guys are, you know, Kieran and I spoke about players not getting picked up by um, English Premier League teams until they've played maybe Celtic, maybe somewhere like that. And then eventually they kind of go, all right, we'll take a chance on this guy. There's so many great players out there and it's just waiting for guys to get a chance and get a big break. But Lubomir Merafczyk was a guy who I think if he'd have been picked up by a big team in his early 20s, he would have been a player that we'd have been talking about as one of those classic 90s European footballers. But it wasn't a B. It wasn't a B. And he ended up living in the village that I grew up in. So I've seen him all the time. Really nice guy and and an amazing football player. So there you go.
1: Very good. I have... I have two players or that I think is gonna divide a lot of people. Um, especially some of the American audience for one of them, but also the Irish for another. So one of my overrated um athletes is Connor McGregor. I think that he is definitely overrated in terms of his skills. He had a really good, like very kind of short period of time, but then didn't really go to his craft and so that's one I would say. And two, just because of the fanfare around it, and I'm not a big fan of golf. I think you know where I'm gonna go with this one. Uh it's Tiger Woods. Yeah. I think yeah. He was Controversial. he was brilliant, but we go into every masters with every single person saying how amazing Tiger Woods is when and they won't say that about any other golfer right now that has been fantastic. He obviously made kind of golf as popular, but it, the way he is portrayed now is like he's been good for the last 20 years, which is just not true. So I'm just saying overrated in terms of that for the fanfare that comes around it. And those are kind of the two that I just feel like it was a short period of time and haven't been able to prolong that success over – a big period right um my other one that i was kind of thinking about was going a similar angle to anthony is instead of going karen rogers going Brett fires but um that was that was another one um my underrated one is a little bit i think that one's tricky um because i want to try and i want to try and make it into nfl angle uh, <laughs> yeah uh, i think my underrated, I'll go in terms of like football because you guys have gone there, um, and okay. uh, I am the mod, just so you know. <laughs> uh, basically, is Paul Skolls for Manchester United because he does not get the recognition he deserves. There's probably one of the best midfielders ever to grace the world. Um, if we want to go to kind of more modern day, let's just stick with the Bears and Darnell Mooney doesn't get, does not get the reputation, the credit that he deserves. That's my underrated. That's where we go at this point in time. Uh Now, we're going to move on. Just
2: one, one more thing before you, you, you go on. Alan is clearly either uh, a Rangers fan or a Tim Henman fan. Alan, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you're so better, man. But... Go on, mate. Sorry, Kieran. On you go.
1: Good night, Alan. All right. We are going to the fun part of the show. This is one of my favorites. Uh, it is called The Good, The Bad. <laughs> And ridiculous or as Noel likes to say The happy, the sad and The happy, bizarre, sad and
2: whatever I
1: whatever, prefer yeah.
2: that to be honest with you yeah.
1: So we're, go- we're
3: going with the good or the happy um, So with that It's whatever we'll go- you want No let's go with your happy of the week Um. Well we have a game on Saturday And we have no more weekends With no NFL football until next year We Ooh. are now every weekend We will have football but I know it's pre-season but still preseason is yeah, I can't wait for it. So, yeah, we have football every weekend from now on. All right, Anthony, what is your happy?
0: Um, or God? Uh, Go <laughs> The the first one is I'm going uh, next week on holidays with my son Just me and him We're coming over to Ireland So we're going to do a little bit of a tour of Ireland So we're going to see that Which is pretty cool Uh, The
1: Guinness storehouse
0: I'm looking forward to it He he just wants to go to his grandmother's And eat ice cream But that's separate. The other one is The fun I've had over the last 10 days With Daz Newsom. It's just been great fun uh, I just really enjoyed the fact that he's uh, he's battling for his place and I've had so many people message me when he gets when he scout when he catches a ball. It's actually been great fun. It's really really been funny. So uh so that's been pretty good and pretty good fun to to see that reaction. So those are my two happy stroke good. Very good.
2: When, when you said the, the, the fun you'd had with Daz Newsome, I thought you and him had been, like, away somewhere. <laughs> Daz and Ant taking selfies, easily. Like.
0: Yeah, that's a new show coming soon. Daz and Ant.
2: I, I would watch that. Oh my. Uh... Dant. It's,
1: it's called Dant with the Stars. Dant. Dant. <laughs>
2: um oh, my,
0: uh, oh no <laughs> first of all you spelled his name wrong do,
2: do you want sorry, a moment Garen. here you okay sorry
0: Garen. sorry Garen. go on tony
2: it's been an exciting week for you ant man um yes. i uh, my happy good good happy is um we are in the beginnings of another heat wave um, it's going to get to,
3: or like bad. <laughs> well, it's good because I'm not at
2: work this week. I'm working from home the rest of the week. So, um, I'm comfortable in my own house. I've got my paddling pool in my back garden, um, which I'll sit with my laptop on my lap, feet in the water of a non-alcoholic beverage. If my boss is watching, um, on the table beside me and uh, and work away. So I'm going to go up to like 29 degrees over the weekend. So I'm hoping to get down the beach at some point and, um, and live it up. That's, that's that's my good.
1: Okay. With my good, I was I was thinking kind of the weather is one of those things that it's, it's good, but honestly, it goes back to what Noel said. It's getting Bears football back and getting closer to that time of where we get to enjoy football games and not have to worry about what everybody is saying, because I think that kind of comes out more in the off season than anything else in during the season it's more of what's happening in the games and i think that's more enjoyable and um, i guess my other good is that on the show on saturday we're going to be doing a bit of a watch along while the game is on so basically just to have a bit of crack during the preseason games where we'll all watch together and we will just like we could be celebrating when Daz Newsom scores three touchdowns in the second half of the game, so there is that point of it. But yeah, that is my good. Uh, I guess I'll start off with the bad, and then I'll go to no. My bad goes to uh, my favorite football team, and that's Manchester United, or my favorite soccer mm-hmm. team. And it's not actually what any of these guys think. It is the fact that they were, You're yeah, they were linked with a guy called Marko Aronadovich, who has been proven to be a neo-Nazi and a racist. So basically, and he's been a sexist and all this sort of stuff. And the only reason why the club decided not to pursue this transfer was because of the outrage from the fans. All the fans were riding in and were basically protesting that they're not going to be kind of purchasing their season tickets. They're going to be sending them back if this type of individual is to join the club and the fact that i had to get to that point like i hope it never gets to a point of where with the bears that if somebody is proven to be a full-blown racist that the bears don't want to sign that particular player even if the player is good and what makes it worse is the player is not even good so that makes it worse and that's my bad for the week No, you can continue with yours
3: i actually just need to update my uh my good i have to say because we've only three preseason games to share. Actually, there is one weekend where we don't have a game, but you know what I mean. Other than that, it's we're fine. We're whatever. Good. Other than that, we're good. Uh, my bad is actually something that was brought up earlier on, and it was Cairo Santos talking about the turf in Soldier Field. I mean, I think he said that when he's in Florida, he has to find poorly maintained public parks just to get something approximate to the Soldier Field turf to practice. I mean, and as Will said, that that's just not good enough for a team like the Bears, like so, we'll go with that.
1: Very good. Anthony, what's your bad?
0: Right, my bad.
3: I can't wait it, for this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and Ryanair, right? Two dickhead organizations. To start with that. Hold right? on, was the first
1: one again? I missed that.
0: The air coach. So the air coach in Ireland is when you land and it gets you from one city to the other in the bus. We'll start with Ryanair first. So Ryanair was a 45-minute delay on my flight from Gothenburg to, to Dublin yesterday. That's fine. As we're waiting, you can see outside there's no plane. Up pops the sign saying final call, final boarding call. There's no fucking plane. Everyone stood up and got in a massive queue that went all the way back to the thing. I'm like, there's no plane, right? And it goes ding dong, final call for your flight. To, there's there's no plane. So Brian Air made loads of people stand up for 45 minutes, point us. We get to Dublin, get off there. I'm waiting for my bus to get me back down to Cork. An air coach woman, and it's really, to be fair, it's one air coach woman. She's got a clipboard. She looks exactly how you think she's going to look in your head. She's got a clipboard and she basically is telling people, no, you stand there. No, you stand there. No, 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 you stand there. So I got there an hour before my bus, but then another bus arrived. So I was thinking, "Oh, oh, maybe I can get on this bus. And she was like, no, no, it's full. Really sorry. It's full. You stand there. And then she points at two people behind me and tells them to get on the bus. I thought it was full. When I get the bus, my eventually my bus comes around. She turns around to me and says, "Oh, do you have a ticket?" I showed the ticket, and she went, "Oh, I've been calling you for ages. You could have got on the bus an hour ago." Clipboard woman, you can fuck off. Uh, <laughs> for me, that was the bad, absolutely disgraceful organisation. Next, oh how God. do you, how do you,
2: how do you feel and about? See uh, how when you land in the Ryanair flights. And then the wee trumpet guy goes off. How do you feel about that?
0: The best part about that was because they were late, they couldn't play that. And I'd say they were (laughs) raging. They were like, oh, press the button. It's the most annoying. That's why they say it takes seven hours to get from Cork to Dublin on a plane. Because they give you all that time to be late so they can do the trumpet part. (laughs) Hate Ryanair.
3: (laughs) (laughs) We all hate
1: Ryanair, to be honest.
2: Yeah. But they do really, really cheap flights. So sometimes it works so well. I mean, Although they're losing everybody's
1: bags now.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Fucking hell, man. It's terrible. All right,
1: Tony, go ahead. What's your bad?
2: So my VAD is um, a global issue, which has become a local issue. Um, so thousands of crabs, spider crabs, have swarmed a UK beach in Cornwall and um, and basically what's happened is because of the rise in temperature in the sea all these fucking spider crabs are appearing on beaches all over the UK at the minute so because of these fucking idiots who like to like run their aircon constantly and you know do all the things that are kind of increasing the global warming problem we've now got spider crabs on the fucking beach so you can't just go to the beach and have a relaxing time anymore. You have to keep looking round about you. What's on my feet? Oh my god. And it's not easy as if there's just like one or two of them. It There's there's thousands of them all kind of rushing out of the water. Honestly, it's like, it's like they're taking over. I'm actually beginning to think that get the pots boiling. Exactly. It could do wonders for the fishing industry. However, I don't know how tasty a spider crab is. I'm sure we'll find out sooner rather than later. But my point is that I'm really, really worried about. Um, <laughs> sorry, this message here. Tony's coming out of his shell on this one. I like that. That's good.
0: <laughs> Matt comes into his own at this section. Matt literally yeah. comes into his own at this section.
2: Why have we not had Matt on the show, by the way? Yes, for, get for on the show, Matt. For this particular section. And, you know, that's be fantastic. Matt, next week, we'll get you on. Um, just but for yeah, this part so of the show. Just for this part of the show. I think Matt can make a huge contribution to everything here. Um, but yeah, spider crabs. Um, yeah, I'm I'm worried about them taking over. Just um, on that,
1: so. wasn't there another story coming out of Cornwall that was like a shark attack last week?
2: It's a fucking dangerous place, man. A fucking Cornwall.
1: Who would have thought? You like you think of all these kind of crazy places around the world with all like these like mad ass sharks, crocodiles, all these crazy things. But no. It's the sharks and the spider crabs apparently are going for people in, in Cornwall. They're trying to reduce the British population, it seems. <laughs> but it is what it is. Um, so my ridiculous, and this is a, a bad ridiculous, not a funny story really this week. Um, with, obviously, we, t- we spoke about like the heat wave that's coming down. I saw a video of where police in the UK had to smash a window in a car because a woman had left her dog in the car in 30-something degree heat, and the dog was essentially almost, like, dehydrated and had to be brought to the hospital, and there's been more and more instances of this, so that's my ridiculous. Look after your pets, people. Do not leave them in a boiling fucking car when it's roasting outside where you're burning your ass off anyway. Your dogs and your cats are probably feeling worse, so make sure you don't leave them there, so that's my ridiculous... People not love looking after their own pets. And yeah, that's pretty much it. So that pissed me off this week. So I decided to bring it up on the show. Now, what's your ridiculous?
3: Well, my ridiculous is going to be the weird ridiculous and take it a bit lighter, you know. But uh, you're right, though. It's it's terrible when people do that. Um, I'm just going to read the headline. Woman loses 10 years of memories after she pooped with excessive, with excessive force. <laughs> I know it, it speaks for itself. I could go into it. <laughs> Yeah, amnesia only lasted eight hours, apparently. But all I'll say is, people, be careful out there. Don't force anything. It'll happen. <laughs> don't force your poo. Don't, don't force it. Just let things happen, or you will lose 10 years of memories for eight hours. She's all good now. Back to normal. 10 but... years of memory? What it's was she sh- It's very specific as well. 10 years, but it'll be in
1: hate. Oh, I know. what She must have been shitting. You know those, like, magic eight balls that you got when you were a kid? <laughs> That's
2: definitely oh. what it was. <laughs> see, the see, the thing is, if you lose the memory, so pushing, like you're, so you're pushing, you're on the toilet. Do you pull it The back memory it? goes, and then all of a sudden you're like, "What the fuck am I doing in the toilet?" Do you know what I mean like <laughs> <laughs> a minute ago? I was, I was making a sandwich. What the fuck is going on?
0: <laughs> and why have I got four kids? I, 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 I can hear Corey wherever she is in Chicago going, "Jesus Christ, lads, no, 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 what the hell." So yeah, and why
1: do I look like Matt Nagy now?
0: Yes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I've>, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I went back ten years, God knows. Seriously, I I'd, don't I'd have a chapter Um Me, I have an interesting story out of Leicester. So I didn't notice. Uh, there seems to be a roundabout in Leicester called Pork Pie Roundabout, right? And the uh, association called PETA, People for Ethical Treatment of Animals, <laughs> have decided to change it and want to change it to the vegan pie roundabout. So, <laughs> basically, for oh. me, just, Ryanair Ryan can fuck off, the one with the clipboard can fuck off, and PETA <laughs> can fuck off.
1: Vegans can fuck off. Vegans do. <too. laughs>
0: Eat like, this more is- cows.
1: Eat more cows. <laughs> I had, like just had a story about, like, I had a a barbecue with a bunch of family a bunch of friends and i didn't realize that one of our friends was vegan and they come over and they'd be like and i was like oh damn i didn't even realize it they literally brought their own vegan sausages with them and like i was like these things smell disgusting they probably taste like cardboard uh, uh, look more meat for us like we come when it comes to the super Bowl, more chicken wings for us but still See, you, if you're gonna
2: if you're gonna know just don't eat it. Jimmy, mean, don't don't try and kid yourself on with this fake meat. Jesus Christ, man. I went to someone's house for dinner once and they said we're having steaks. And they they put this fucking vegan thing down in front of me. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? That's not a steak. What is it? She's like, Oh, it's made of mushrooms. You've lulled me into a false sense of security here. I didn't really want to come tonight. Okay, I heard we were having Tony's, a steak. Tony's water water now we're ourselves. not even having a steak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking hell, man. Yes, anyway. No. <laughs> What's <so> ridiculous? <laughs> it's made of mushrooms, I'm telling you. Anyway, it, actually, it wasn't the worst thing in the world, but I was disappointed because it just wasn't the steak. <laughs> but, um, so, my, uh, my ridiculous is that there's a weird conspiracy. My second ridiculous <laughs> uh, is there, there's this weird conspiracy theory going about that Kiana Reeves and Sandra Bullock are vampires. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so,
0: Sandra so Bullock can kiss my neck anytime she wants.
2: <laughs> so, um, so yeah, basically, there, there's like there's this video that's online and someone's created it, and they've got like. Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock, and they've got side by side pictures of like their doppelgangers from like 200 years ago. And like they're trying to claim that it's like like, it's the same person. Um, and uh, yeah, so (laughs) they've also claimed.
3: (laughs) I'm looking forward to Matt's mystery topic next week.
1: Oh, my God. Sorry for anybody listening to this on podcast form. Renewable and and rechargeable review just goes, I took a dump at a friend's house and all they had was toilet paper. No wet wet or a bidet. (laughs) friggin' animals. (laughs) Sorry. Continue.
2: What was I saying?
1: Something (laughs) about vampire. Vampires.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah. So, anyway. Um. So yeah, they're they're basically they've got this whole conspiracy theory and they've got a video that they basically said they tried to prove that uh Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock stopped aging at the same time. So they're sort of in cahoots vampires as well. Um either way, like is utter utter nonsense and it's not even meant as a joke. They're very serious uh with this conspiracy theory. So um I just thought that was utter ridiculous. But at the same time, both of them look great for their age, so maybe there's something in it.
1: So what you're saying is become a vampire?
2: Hey, you know it, it worked for Brad Pitt and uh that other guy, Tom Cruise, interview a vampire until he all goes tits up and then you find yourself in the London pig eating rats. But you know. Jesus,
0: you <laughs> thought <laughs> <laughs> about this, Tony? How is there still 41 people listening or watching us?
1: <laughs> oh that, that is amazing some of the i look honestly this is like my favorite part of the week to some of these stories like we have so many like really serious like bears videos that we do but this one i enjoy because we get to let loose have a bit of fun this is what you probably see if you come meet us when we go out in chicago by the way um also some of the responses in the chat are unreal they're so so funny i love them they're they're great uh yeah i agree at some point in time we're gonna have to have a little trophy for all these the great responses of the week or whatever uh it'll be re- it'll be really really good but look it's it's been a lot of fun today uh, i always enjoy the good the bad the ridiculous for people that do want to know we will have our chiefs and bears preview and um, show tomorrow we have a reporter um, or a beat reporter for the chiefs that will be joining us tomorrow at 4 p.m central time uh, we will not have anything on Friday. We will have the watch-along on the Saturday. And we have a couple of interesting um, we have a couple of interesting videos next week. We may be having a Bears wide receiver joining us at some point next week as well. Uh, so make sure that you stick out with that. We've actually mentioned them at one point today. It's not one of the like, Darnell Mooney's or anything like that. But it is someone that will be vying for a position to make this
2: 53-man roster. Um, let's hope so, there's still a wide receiver on the bears this time next week <laughs> i
1: hope so i really do hope so otherwise we might have to change that on the fly but yeah we do have we do have well again we'll have three shows next week we'll have the tuesday we'll have wednesday thursday will be busy because we'll have a show before the game and we'll probably if we're crazy enough to stay up and watch the game we might have a bit of a crack on that as well um but yeah guys make sure that you join us tomorrow where we will be previewing the chiefs and bears we will not be talking about training camp. We will not be talking about Rocon. We will only be focused in on the game, both on the Chiefs' perspective, but also on the Bears' perspective, what we want to see. And then, like I said, we will be live when the game kicks off on Saturday, which is 6 o'clock our time, noon in Chicago. So make sure that you do join us for that. You can have screen on watching the game, but we'll have us on for the commentary because nobody wants to listen to the preseason commentary anyway because that's boring. So just listen to us, have a bit of fun. We'll probably be doing a lot of this anyway, and just seeing what goes on. So, look guys, it's it's been a lot of fun. Make sure that you like the video, and make sure that you do subscribe because that helps us with the YouTube algorithm. Share it with your friends, your family, any of your Twitter followers, any of your Instagram followers. And until next time, all we can say is bear down,
4: bear down, bear down. Bear down.